How would a dream, cowboys? Welcome back to the Westworld Podcast. Today we're going to recap and review Game of Thrones Season 8, Episode 5, entitled The Bells. I'm James. And I'm Ryan. And this is the Westworld Podcast. So the internet, you know, they're always cool with everything that happens. Oh my god, they're so mad. Everyone is so angry. I mean, we'll, we'll get into it, but I feel like this is probably the character turn they had always intended for Daenerys. And they didn't give themselves the time to build it up so that it felt like an earned payoff, but this was probably like some season one planned out shit, I assume. Right, it feels like it will be what also happens in the books, right? Like, I think perhaps the Battle of Winterfell will be a little different, but I think George will do this in the books as well. It's possible, and I wonder, like, actually, there's a few characters in the book who have, like, given up on the pursuit of power and glory and ended up happier, more fulfilled people. And that is another possible ending for Daenerys, is that she she's always thinking about, in the books, the little house where she and Viserys grew up as little kids. It's a house with the red door. And some people think, like, oh, that's, that's the ending she'll get, is, you know, she'll give up this pursuit of power and she'll find her way back to the simple life which she actually enjoyed more. House with a Red Door? Like, The Haunting of Hill House? Did you see that? I didn't see The Haunting. I've, I've seen The uh, the Sixth Sense, which has a red door knob. Oh, well, that's basically the same thing. It was also come out this week that HBO offered Dan and Dave ten episodes, and they were like, no thanks. <laughs> yeah, that, that just speaks to how checked out they are. We have a trilogy with Star Wars, so later, guys. It's like, damn, give it to some young, hungry fucking showrunners who will do the show justice, man. If you're if you're in such a rush to get out, you know? Right. I mean, I think the justifiable criticism of this season and the last two seasons will be that it's all super rushed. The writing doesn't make up for the fact that it's rushed. And everybody... I mean, to be fair... I think the internet is truly reacting to everyone who is on Team Danny is like, how dare you? Dan and Dave, how dare you? I was on not Team Danny, and for me, she did something interesting last night. But I, I, I was texted by the world today. This episode caused more conversation than I have had about any episode of this entire series. And there was one specific thing that everyone really cared about. And, uh, and it was a moment that was described to me as a true Game of Thrones gut punch, which is what I thought it was, and we'll get into it. But y'all, y'all know. Y'all know. So the episode starts out on Dragonstone, where Varys is doing some kind of machinations, working against Daenerys somehow. I don't think they spell out exactly what he did. Maybe he's, like, writing letters telling everyone about Jon, right? Right. He's writing a whole lot of letters. His penmanship is wonderful. The letters basically state that he is Aegon Targaryen, true heir to the Iron Throne. And I'm not sure how many of those letters he got out before the incident, but I bet it was at least a few. 
his little friend, his little bird from the kitchen, Martha, came in and was like, she's still not eating. Do you think Varys was trying to poison her, uh, Danny, with, with Martha's help? Possibly. Maybe that's why she stopped eating or maybe she was just in like a serious depression or something. Oh, I think she was in a serious depression and I think she was going real dark, real dark, Danny, as we would see in later in this episode. So Tyrion informs on Varys. He just tells Danny straight up like, hey, uh, your trusted advisor is betraying you. So I guess we're going to have to burn him alive. Isn't that uh, how we handle things? Well, Tyrion, <laughs> he doesn't say that exactly. He's just like, well, I guess it's too late now. And then she's like, yeah, it is too late now. And he's like, oh, dang. I was sort of hoping it wasn't too late now. This is right after Varys meets John getting off the boat and is like, so are you sure you don't want to be king? And John's like, yeah, no, I've I've said this a bunch of times. I, I don't want to be king. Also, are you trying to betray Danny? That's not really cool. And Tyrion watches him do this. And then Tyrion has a choice. Does he betray Danny or does he betray Varys, possibly his best friend on the planet other than Jamie? And, you right. know, he chooses to betray Varys. So I think it was I I, I, I think it was reasonable. And Tyrion's like, what's the nut worst decision I could make right now? Right, which okay. is something yeah. that is <laughs> odd for him, to be fair, in the past few episodes. So, there's no trial or anything. They just, they bring Varys in front of Danny, and he confesses. And he's like, I sure hope I'm wrong about everybody getting burned. And then they burn him. Hey, Varys was right, number one. Two, we called Varys dying this episode, although it wasn't a far reach. Uh, he says prior to this, every time a Targaryen is born, the gods toss a coin and the world holds its breath. Well, baby, I guess it was Dragon Tales never fails this time. And Va- hey, James, Varys was right. Uh, yeah, except, you know, he's also probably ultimately responsible for all of this since he put this all into motion in season one. But I think later in this episode, Danny is talking to John and is like, you see what happens? Sansa tells Tyrion. Tyrion tells Varys. Sansa killed Varys just as much as I did. And I was like, no, he didn't. Yeah, I'm pretty sure. Well, you know, it came down to Drogon at the end of the day. He could have let him go, but uh, he he hears Dracarys and he does what he's told. He's a good dragons don't kill people. All right. Yeah, people kill people. And he's a good (laughs) little puppers. John and, 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 and Danny break up for good. At the uh, at, at at the end of like this first sequence, I can't basically. believe it was even still possible. Like right. she she went in <laughs> to go kiss him, and he was like, "Hey, man, what what are you what are you doing? You're still my aunt." Oh, one more thing uh, before we leave Varys forever. When Tyrion touches him, he like acts in shock, and I guess the actor told the director he was like, "This is the first time Varys has ever been touched." So it was weird. Mm. Anyway, he does a great job, but we'll leave Varys behind. Rip Varys. And yeah, John and Danny kiss for a second, then John pulls away. John's like, sorry, I'm just, I'm not in the mood after watching an old man burn to death. Right. And then she's like, then I guess I choose fear only. No love for, for will come upon me from the people here. I guess I only choose fear. Danny hasn't been sleeping. She hasn't been eating. Her eyes are like dark and black. And at this point, I still thought, everything was going like no part of me was like maybe she'll go nuts 
Jamie gets captured by Daenerys's forces, but I was thinking, like, wh- why is he being captured? Is he not, you know, ostensibly on your side? Right. Although we'll we'll talk about Jamie later. It, it, he has a character arc, but I saw it on the internet being described as a character circle, which I think was was very apt. Uh, you know, Tyrion tries to dissuade Daenerys from attacking the common folk. Is like, we'll ring the bells, everything will be cool. And she's like, mercy is our strength, our mercy towards future generations. And I still didn't think she would go nuts, which in retrospect is so dumb. Tyrion, as you said, walks in and is like, hey, Jamie, how did they even find you? He holds his hand up, the golden hand. And Tyrion's like, did you even think about taking it off, you dumb, dumb idiot boy? Right. And well, this is, he goes to see Jamie right after Daenerys said like, don't fuck up anymore. And he's like, okay, yeah, I'm going to go let our prisoner go. Right. Well, yeah, it's not even, you know, don't mess up anymore. It's more like, if you do mess up again, I'll burn you. Like, I burned your friend. Hey, James, if Jorah was alive, if Barristan was alive, but more so even Jorah, what would he have said? What, do you, what would he have been doing here? Like, I, I feel so bad for Jorah. It's such a tragic character now in retrospect, right? Yeah, or maybe if... If the other two dragons were not dead, maybe she wouldn't be in such a rage also. I also saw a thing online that Rhaegal had to die because Jon had to be on the ground. So he couldn't stop Daenerys from doing whatever she felt like. A big thing that keeps coming up here and that Tyrion keeps trying to explain to the other commanders is like, if they open the gates and ring the bells, it's game over and we we win and we don't need to burn everybody. But here's the thing about that. I never thought that it was a battle plan at all to just attack and burn the whole city. I thought, like, yeah, we're going to attack the city and the castle and civilians will get injured incidentally. I didn't realize that massacring the civilians was just, like, a part of the normal battle strategy. I mean, I don't think it was a part of the normal battle strategy, uh, you know, minus one person who I don't also think it was in... Her, well, it's hard to ignore the genocide throughout the beginning of this episode, isn't it? It's hard to be like, we'll get to the genocide. Anywho, uh, Tyrion also asks Davos a favor. He's like, I'm not going to like this favor, am I? And we learn later that he's going to get a dinghy out, and the dinghy is for Cersei and Jaime to escape the Red Keep, because Tyrion's like, listen, it's all going to go very poorly tomorrow as he's talking to his brother. And, and so, you know, you got to get her out of there and this was a very very nice scene a lot of people on the internet thought that it was a bastardization of Tyrion's character as he said goodbye to his brother Jamie that he loved did you think so no I thought this was a great scene it's nice to see these characters showing what I think is is realistic and genuine emotion that you would show in this instance and not just you know try to keep up your front of badassery right they I mean they cried in each other's arms Tyrion says to him, you're the only one who didn't treat me like a monster. And also says tens of thousands of innocent lives. One not particularly innocent dwarf seems like a fair trade. Because Jamie points out something very, very obvious, which is, you know, Danny's going to kill you for this. And Tyrion's like, well, so be it, I guess. It's a bummer. I'm, I'm not a very innocent dwarf. And also I've been making lots and lots of mistakes. And also she just threatened me with death anyway. So I feel like I'm knock, knock, knocking on Devin's door. Not Devin. You know what? Devin is death and heaven <laughs> together. I'm keeping it. Yeah, and and 
Tyrion says, oh, only you, Jamie, can convince Cersei to, that the war is over and to surrender and to, to end the bloodshed, even though we already did all these other really extreme things in an attempt to convince Cersei that, and it never worked, but it's going to work this time. Right. Yeah, no, it's just magically going to work this time. Also in this scene, Jamie claims that he's never really felt anything for the innocence, but that's kind of not true. I mean, he literally stabbed the Mad King. Well, I mean, one was because the Mad King asked for him to take it, bring his father's head to him, but also it was to save the millions and millions of lives in King's Landing. But this is also the part where I was like, oh no, I don't think he was white fanging Brienne. Right, he might actually just still be like the man who loves Cersei. Yeah, no, I he pretty much is. Hence character circle and not character arc. My favorite character in the show. And when we get there, we'll get there about whether or not it was a bastardization of his character. Because I felt one way last night and I felt an, I feel another way now. So I really like the next couple sequences when they're like gearing up for the battle in King's Landing. And the soldiers are running this way and that way. And on the... On the on the Blackwater, Euron and his uh, navy is getting ready for the fight, and all the extras and the filmed-on location sets looked amazing. It looked like a movie. It looked like Game of Thrones, which we haven't always been getting so far this season. This was a, an entire set that they created in Belfast. They they it made it. They made the set two different ways: one destroyed, and one you know previous to being destroyed we see Arya and Sandor in a sweet black hood go by some men and then go into the city Arya's planning on killing Cersei and the hound is going for Clegane Bull air horns in the distance and and we should mention that they've they've probably got like 30 ballistas set up throughout the city and then also on the boats and stuff and as we know from uh, the past two seasons, ballistas are incredibly accurate and effective. Yeah, but, uh, but uh, it, you know, sadly for the ballistas and for Euron and the defenses of King's Landing, they didn't hear about the patch. The uh, Game of Thrones right. got patched before this episode. A lot of different things have happened. Ballistas were hard nerfed. Dragons got a huge buff. And Euron... Why wasn't he shooting the ballista? He was. He did a much better job. Anyway, uh, the by the way, the music in this scene again amazing. Raman Jwadi, the MVP of this entire season, let alone show, and the part where Drogon comes from where the sun is and dives down towards the Iron Fleet, and Euron's like trying to shield his eyes. So so cool. Yeah, I mean that was a good strategy too. I just want to say. You could have also just attacked the fleet at night, and they probably would have been pretty useless. I honestly feel like they dragon. did a daybreak battle scene because they had already shot 50 knights on episode three, and they were like, we can't do any more night shoots. It almost killed us all. Yeah, and it looked like shit. Right. It was very, 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 very dark. Yeah. So, you know, Daenerys comes down, Iron Fleet sitting there. And she just starts destroying it. She does the thing again, James, where a ballista bullet goes by her head and she just moves slightly to the left. Yeah, she just, like, Dragon Ball Z dodges it. Like, I'm so glad that you pointed that out. As it happened on the show, I was like, oh, James will be psyched. 
Yeah, and and Euron looks like he's happy again. He's like, alright, let's let's do this again. I've already destroyed this lady's army three times in two seasons. Let's do it again. But, you know, Daenerys' love of the game really shows in how much effort she puts uh, into the field, and uh, they just they couldn't match her moxie this time. No, again, dragons were hard buffed. Drogon's mad, his brothers are dead. They destroy the Iron Fleet pretty quickly. He destroys all the Scorpion Ballistas on the sides of King's Landing, and Harry Strickland and the Golden Company is waiting outside the front gate of King's Landing, looking at some Unsullied. Oh, they uh, in the patch, they also they brought more Dothraki, and they ordered some Dothraki from Amazon Prime, and it got there within two days, so they're there now. Yeah. But it was really it's really bullshit that they, you know, they banned elephants. No elephants. And they nerfed uh, the ballistas right before, uh, you know, a major competition. Yeah, but do you think the elephants would have helped, James? <laughs> maybe they're like maybe the elephants can shoot water out of their noses and it'll, you know, stop the dragon fire. You know, those are only the really nice elephants that you see on the Africans. They're like, oh yeah, we just we we use these noses for a whole lot of things, but the A number one game is shooting water at them and being nice and playful. So I I, I think, man, though, if I'm gonna apologize for the show, maybe it's that you have like a psychic connection with whatever dragon you're riding, and you have to be riding to share that connection, and so like she's just a lot harder to hit when she's riding the dragon. I guess. Yeah, there was a one moment where they sent like five ballistas at her all at once, and Drogon took a sharp angle upwards and completely dodged all of them. You know, this is all happening. Harry Strickland and the Golden Company is out front. They're just like hearing explosions in the distance and like looking around them, thinking to themselves, oh boy, I don't know if this is worth the money. Cersei is up in a tower at the Red Keep, and she's still drinking, looking down. She's like, okay, this could this could go either way. Yeah, I think I have a chance. She doesn't know that Euron is in the ocean right now. And she also doesn't know that the front gate of King's Landing is about to be rubble. So Kyvern and the mountain come up to where she is, and they're like, hey, basically a tall tower is the fucking worst place to be in this situation. Can we maybe go to the basement? Right, it's as close to the dragon as we can get, and she's like, "The Euron will defeat the dragon with one good shot, he's done it before. And Kyvern's like, yeah, about that. And I, yeah, I don't know what she's expecting, she's like, okay, uh, Sir Robert Strong will zombie jump into the air and, like, in fucking Monster Hunter and bring the dragon down. No, yeah, it didn't work out that way. As the front gate of King's Landing explodes, Harry Strickland gets thrown off his horse, a horse that was mangled completely, and he starts running away as the unsullied Dothraki and the Northmen charge towards them, and as he's running away, he gets stuck in the back by Grey Worm, whom could be described this episode as the Angel of Death. Yeah, he's got the same crazy eyes as Daenerys in this episode, for whatever reason. Well, I believe that reason is that Miss Sunday is dead, and he's real sad about it. So, they, they, yeah, the gate gets blown up, and the Northmen and the Dothraki and the Unsullied go in, and they encounter enemy resistance, but the dragon is now, like, completely fucked the walls and the ballistas, and the fight's over, so the other soldiers throw their weapons down. 
And it's at this point I'm thinking, okay, so all of Tyrion and Varys and Jon's concerned that, like, oh, if we go to battle, civilians are going to die. Well, that point turned out to always have been wrong because Danny just won the fight without killing civilians yet. Yeah. And so maybe if we had if we had done this battle plan a month ago, you know, we could have took you know, we could have settled the Cersei thing immediately and then moved on to the Night's King. Well, I think a the best example of how the writing has been not that great over the past few seasons is their battle plans. Their battle plans felt like they needed to get to a point, and this was the point they were getting to. Death from above was looming above the city. The Lannister army and all the people in King's Landing are shout, ring the bells, and, you know, Cersei doesn't give the order for them to do so, but, you know, then someone actually said at some point, somebody ring the bloody bells! What are we doing here? Ring the bells! Yeah, no, I, if I was just a random dude, I would have just climbed up a bell tower and started ringing it myself. Oh, yeah, no, those, those bells needed to be rung. Someone does ring the bells. John hears the bells and thinks it's over. So does Tyrion, who is so relieved. And then before we get to this next part. Yeah. Do you think our audience will be mad at us for not hating this as much as they think that we or someone should? <laughs> That's the thing. Like, the internet hates this, but the people I'm talking to all thought it was, like, really interesting and shocking and they're happy that they can still be surprised by Game of Thrones at this point. I talked to somebody who was on Team Danny today and it was the only person who was like this is messed up and I do not like it. And I was like, yeah, no, for, if you're on Team Danny, that is 100% justified. What's about to happen is messed up beyond belief. And you know what, man? We 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 will get into it, man. I'm still on Team Danny. <laughs> really? I I like yeah. that's very interesting. I mean, she is as as interesting as she's ever been. So yeah, Danny hears the bells and she thinks, "Oh no, they're ringing the attack bells." <laughs> no, nah, I, I think she she knows what the bells mean. She just looks at the red keep. She looks at King's Landing. This is the best acting I've ever seen Amelia Clark do. She looks upon the buildings and the city that her family built. She knows that she's won. She is the queen of the seven kingdoms. But Missandei is dead. Jorah's dead. Everybody around her is dead. She feels completely isolated. John is spurning her advances. And she goes Mad Queen. 100% goes Mad Queen. Goes off her rocker. And when she does so, or when she did so, what was your initial reaction? I was surprised. And I did think like, okay, so Varys wasn't just overreacting. Not not having fun at a party is a symptom of violent insanity. And we all should have trusted him. And I I accepted that this is where the show was going, man. I'm like, okay, they didn't have time to earn this, but I definitely see that they have they have foreshadowed this. One of Danny's visions in season two was the Iron Throne covered in ash. One of Bran's visions was a dragon flying over King's Landing. So 
people you really can't complain uh oh yes they, they, they can. didn't they didn't earn this character turn, no. but they've been foreshadowing this story turn for a long time. They've been foreshadowing this way longer than they were foreshadowing the Arya kills the Night King thing. And right. th- the anticipation for this moment was awe-inducing. When Daenerys takes off and she's flying over the city, you still kind of think she's just headed towards the Red Keep to just go straight up to, to Cersei and burn her alive. And then right. I was like... The dragon's really close to the to the ground. What'd she do? And then she comes around one corner and starts burning the streets. And I truly, truly was surprised. I had no thought in my mind that she was about to start a mass genocide. And right away, I was like, I wasn't like, I wasn't exci- I wasn't psyched. I wasn't like, oh, good. I'm glad the genocide is occurring. I was more just like, oh, my God. She just did something interesting. Yeah, this is the kind of shit that Game of Thrones used to be famous for, which is you you manage everyone's expectations of what the main character is going to do, and then they either completely fail, or they totally have some kind of tragic death, or they become like a violent maniac dude and do the wrong thing. Like Theon, man. Theon was a cool guy, and then he burned two little boys alive. As some would say, that was a bad move. But yeah, Danny is proving to be her father's daughter. I mean, her older brother was insane. The The best one out of all of them was Rhaegar Targaryen, and he got smashed with a hammer. So what are you going to do? Yeah, and and we'll get more we'll get more into this as I uh, I'll, I'll I'll outline my defense of Danny as we go on. You're you're her lawyer. <laughs> the next couple scenes are just her. Just fucking King's Landing with dragon fire, like that. I don't think they're gonna recover from this. No, I don't think you can rebuild the city after. Yeah, this. I don't think so either. Because like as she was burning it, the wildfire under the city was also exploding. So, do you think in the opening credit scene of the next episode, King's Landing will be on fire, a la Winterfell in the later seasons? That's why I was like live texting my friends, including you, about this, and something I sent to my other friend was like. Man, are they are they are they all just gonna die? Is the wildfire gonna go off and just kill every character? And then Bran really will sit on the Iron Throne, like everyone says. No, he won't get on the Iron Throne. He has a very nice antique wheelchair that he's gonna stay in. The moment where Danny starts burning all the people, Grey Worm is like, "Yes, count, tag me in, Coach. I'm in." Jamie makes it to the Red Keep, and well, no, he makes it to the the the, the Mudgate tunnels, which lead to the Red Keep. And there I uh, finds Euron Greyjoy, who I don't think has any reason to hate Jamie, but he, I mean, he wants to kill him just for, like, the glory, I guess. Right. Euron's character is written poorly. I don't think I have to explain that or justify that to anybody. So they have a weird fight. I felt really bad. I was like, no, come on. You have Jamie die here. You have this character that everyone loves and has been with us from the start killed by Euron. This character who came out of nowhere and everybody hates. Right. I thought it was really cheap. And I was hoping so much that Jamie didn't die here. But I knew, like, once he got stabbed through the middle of him, I, like, I knew Jamie wasn't making it out of this episode alive. But I was just like, please don't be on the beach. Now I'm worried because the last thing we see of Euron is that he's, like, lying down on the beach, like, exhausted. Like, I did it. I fatally wounded Jamie Lannister. And then he's, like, smiling on his back looking up at the sky and I'm like 
They're not going to bring Euron into the next episode, are they? That would be some balls. I truly hope. If they do, then bring Stannis back too. Bring them all back. (laughs) Bring everyone whose head didn't hit the floor on screen back into the fray. Cersei is still looking upon this. She's kind of looking on the city like, oh, I thought I was insane. But Danny, I think you take the cake. John is looking upon the Northerners going forward, trying to hold them back along with Davos. And I did really like this point. So two things happened here that I enjoyed. One is that the line between good guys and bad guys became very, very muddled. And two was that from the moment that Danny was seen just getting real mad on the dragon, we didn't see her face for the rest of the episode. I found that to be awesome. Did you find that to be annoying or awesome? Because the internet was like 80-20 annoying. No, yeah, I thought it was cool, man. Like, she became a really scary villain. Danny in this episode reminded me of Darth Vader at the end of the Rogue One, man, where he's just slaughtering people in a horrifying way. I like how she became Death from Above, and I like how the perspective was not hers. The perspective became the people on the ground who were, you know, getting burned alive, no matter whether they were a a northerner, a Lannister, or just like a person who lives in Flea Bottom. So finally, you know, after after what, like 15 minutes of coaxing, Kyburn gets Cersei to leave the tower? It's like, okay, uh, you can stay, I guess. Uh, me and the mountain are going. <laughs> when Kyburn finally convinces Cersei to get out of there, he said, you know, she's like, the Red Keep is the safest place in the city. And he says, Magor's Holdfast is actually the safest place, and we should go there. And I looked it up. It's a massive square fortress inside the heart of the Red Keep in King's Landing, named after King Magar Targaryen. It's a castle within a castle, and it's the strongest place in the Red Keep. And it's the last resort, and they should go there. It's like the safe room, and that is where they are finally heading once Cersei takes the good advice. Arya and the Hound have also made it into the city and into the Red Keep on a desperate mission to kill Cersei in the mountain, but now, like, everything is literally falling down around them, and the walls are literally closing in, and I was like, man, this was a, this is a terrible idea on both of you guys. I mean, Danny pretty much is gonna solo King's Landing. You guys could have just, you know, hung back. Yeah, but they didn't choose to do so. They are in the Red Keep. They are in the epicenter of everything going very poorly. Sandor stops Arya, He knows he's not leaving this place alive, and Arya knows she's not leaving this place alive. But, you know, he feels like he's her father at this point. I mean, at least a fatherly figure, and he convinces Arya to give up her desire for revenge. He loves her like a daughter and doesn't want her to die here. As Sandor walks away from her, I keep saying Sandor because that's what she called him. She didn't say the hound. She said, Sandor, thank you. And my favorite duo in any TV show ever say goodbye to each other, and it is heartbreaking. Uh, The Hound does run in to Cersei's crew, and there's this cool moment. uh, Kyburn's like, or Cersei orders the mountain to just like kill the dude immediately. Not not to kill him, but to walk by, like forget about him. And uh, the mountain's not having that. And Kyburn's like, listen to your queen, and he gets fucking smashed against the wall you were you went on like a two or three minute thing last time about how kyburn was your favorite part of the last episode were you yeah were you happy with his death his death was hilarious yeah yeah man salute to a real one 
Uh, real neck uh, nice. He real. Went, he went went out like a king, bro. He really did. I love the yeah. The cause of death was literally he s- tried to stop the Clegane Bowl, and the air horns were sounding way too loud, and they were like, "No, no, no! This is the fight that was promised." Uh, so yeah, the fight is on, and Cersei's like, "Excuse me, I'm just gonna, I'm just gonna get by." <laughs> just, hey, oh, oh, hey, oh, yeah, yeah, okay. And the Hound doesn't even look at her. He doesn't care yeah. at all. While well, she's like, "Okay, I'm just gonna, just gonna go here." Cool, 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 cool. Okay, guys, have fun. So they 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 begin their epic battle. Um, the mountain takes off his Darth Vader helmet to reveal his Anakin Skywalker at the end of Return of the Jedi face. This is all on a real set that's inside a studio in Belfast. They built it all the way up so that it reached the top of the actual building that it was in. It's so beautiful. The dragons in the background burning everything down. The skies in the background as well. The scene was, like, literally lit. It was lit in multiple ways. Sandor and him get into it. Sandor stabs him multiple times. And it just does not work because he's facing Frankenstein. We cut to Jamie in the map room. It just occurred to me that, you know, Game of Thrones has a map room too, just like Westworld. Well, every good show needs a map room, James. And Jamie and Cersei reunite in what is actually like a kind of beautiful scene. And Jamie actually does his best to try to save her. And, you know, this was the last scene with two characters that are probably some of the best acted characters in the show. Probably two of the most compelling characters uh, in terms of writing. And I thought they had like a really, a really nice ending together. I mean, she's so psyched to see him and not die alone and maybe have a chance. She realizes right away that he's hurt and that he's probably going to die and that he's bleeding a lot and it looks pretty bad. And she's, like, concerned. And a part of me was like, you just sent Bronn to kill him. Yeah, but you know what? She was angry then uh, and, and she was on top of the world at that point. Now, since everything's falling apart, she's just happy to see her bro. And as the world is falling apart, her brother shows back up to perhaps prove that he had never left her in his mind. I, You know, we got farther and farther from him saying goodbye to Sir Brienne being only a white fang. And him, I, I thought when I saw that, that he was going to go try to kill Cersei. But uh, nah, dude, they were OTP from the beginning. They, they will be together at the end. Yeah, and, and you know, this was this was kind of sad for Jamie. He, he thought he could put this behind him and become a new man, and it didn't work out that way he, no he couldn't actually do it at this point he was so stabbed too like he knows he's gonna die all of this is also happening while Arya is finally getting out of the red keep and experiencing the destruction of king's landing firsthand she gets hit with rubble multiple times and i loved how the clegane bowl and Arya trying to escape was like intercut within each other Clegane Bowl's not going so great for the Hound. He gets uh, in one of the patented Clegane uh, head squeezer moves. Yeah, the Red Viper just came back to haunt me in that moment. Yeah, and also Brienne almost got taken out when she fought the Hound that way too. He's stabbing the mountain over and over again, shouting fucking die as he laughs. And because, you know, he knows it's going very poorly. He doesn't believe, I think, that he's going to win because, you know, he keeps stabbing this dude. He stabs him in the neck and in the stomach, and he's he's doing zero damage. So, yeah, he, he does, in retrospect, what Miss Sandy should have done and just 
grabs his brother and jumps off uh, an edge, and they fall into the burning city together. And uh, that's a draw, man. Better than a loss. Clegane Bowl ended in a draw, and I think people in a in a in an episode where almost no one will be satisfied about any of it. I think this is the one part because it was built up for so long that you, if you're not satisfied with the Clegane Bowl and how it went, then I, I I just don't know how to help you. And I thought it was also very poetic that Sandor dies in fire. Yeah, Arya does try to save some civilians from getting killed by dragons. And this sequence, a lot of people are comparing to like the 9-11 footage because people are covered in ash and they're kind of moving around aimlessly or hiding in basements and she tries to lead this little girl and her mom out of the city and Daenerys just torches them both the mother gets kind of cut down by a Dothraki Arya tries to grab the daughter and get her away from her mother because her mother can't move anymore and get her away but the daughter is like no and then runs back to her mom as Daenerys comes through and burns them alive and as Arya opens her eyes, uh, you get the general vibe from her that her list is only one person long now. Yeah, and, and to be honest, at the very end of this scene, when like the fire came down and, and killed those civilians, I thought, like, damn, did it get Arya too? Right, I mean, she almost died. Like, a tower almost fell on her one time. A bunch of rubble has hit her. It, it, she almost died three or four times. And I'm not... Like, it was obviously plot armor, but... You know, it, it would suck if Sandor was like, get out, you don't have to die here. And then she died anyway. That Yeah, that's a great point. Uh, she does wake up after the explosion and she finds a, like, a, a horse, which is, its legs are badly burned, but it's still walking. And she's able to, you know, horse whisper it to chill out and she rides it to safety. It was a white pony, very Gandalf-esque. Death rides on a pale horse. People, some thought that Br- that Bran was warging that horse. I-, I don't think so. I think it was just a very conveniently placed horse. And as you mentioned earlier, Jamie and Cersei are, are below the city. They are trying to get to the dinghy that Tyrion has set up for them. Jamie realizes there's rubble in front of all of the the doors. And this is a very sad moment for a person, for Cersei, a person you're not supposed to like person you're not supposed to feel empathy for but as she's standing there with jamie saying i I don't i want our baby to live don't let me die jamie i don't want to die not like this and jamie gets her to look at her saying look at me nothing else matters only us then and you know and a bunch of rubble falls on them it, it and they die together. Well, we'll get to it. Some people think that Cersei is alive. Some also people think Jamie's alive, but she, I don't, he can't be alive. He got stabbed way too many times. And this was the part of the episode where my feelings changed from last night to today. Last night, as I was watching it, it really sucked for me because I thought it was a, a bad ending for Cersei and, but also Jamie. He's my favorite character. He was going to die anyway. I knew that. But it was a truly sad way for him to go. And and before I read that it was a a a, like a, a circle arc and not a, a just an, a real arc, like a character circle, that kind of sewn it up for me. I was like, oh, okay. That is kind of great in a way. Like, it, it, he's a character that never escaped his past. He never escaped the person that he was. Last night, I was so mad that Jamie died this way. 
Jamie died with Cersei and not Ser Brienne. But I think this today I came to and and was like, you know, again, I think a part of me that was so angry last night is that it did feel unearned. A lot of this felt unearned. But also, man, they've they've been foreshadowing like, you know, Cersei and Jamie will die together. Oh, yeah. Jamie said something like, I can't die while Cersei's still alive. Right. And like vice versa. Right. I mean, they were always going to die together. I just didn't think it would be at the bottom of King's Landing and with a bunch of rocks falling on top of them. And I also didn't think I would feel the way I felt about Cersei as she died. I felt bad for her, which, you know, you shouldn't. Right. Yeah. It's like, oh, suddenly uh, Queen Cersei doesn't seem like the worst queen around. No, she seems at least like at least the second best one. I mean, in America, we're always talking about the lesser of two evils, right? So in this case... Cersei just claimed that title. James, I don't think Braun is going to get Highgarden, man. No, I, I don't think he's going to get River Run either. No, I don't think he's getting any of those things. So, at this point, uh, we, we glossed over this, but John had, like, evacuated all of his soldiers from the city, and I think they were also trying to save other people on their way out. I mean, kind of, but the Lannister, the Lannister troops were also trying to save people. Again, like, the muddied waters of who's good and bad. Right. And and John's men like were not listening to him. They're like, "No, nah, man, I got my rage boner up. I'm just gonna fucking kill innocent people." I mean, he literally followed one into an alleyway who was definitely trying to rape a woman, and he attacked John, and John was forced to stab him through the stomach. So yeah, th- I think you know this is people have you know reported that in the heat of battle, people do like go berserk, right? That's where the term berserk comes from. I think a lot of people were doing that this episode. Yeah, and. Which I think was one of my favorite parts of the episode. Just the bad people became the good people for slight moments. And the good people became awful. Really, really, really awful. And, you know, and if you counted Danny on the good side, then, I mean, if you watched last night, you can't anymore, right? Right. And, and you know what? I think I'm, I'm about to get into this topic. And I think I texted you like... This is the first episode of Game of Thrones where real visceral attention was given to the civilian cost in a war. And I think that that's beautiful. I think another thing they did with this episode is they kind of showed us that this whole time we've been cheering on Daenerys, we have been warmongering. We have just been like, yeah, war, 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 Daenerys, war. And and now the chickens came home to roost. So if you're on Team Danny. Again, I understand how you would just hate last night's episode and think that they they forced her into a villain role when it, again, wasn't earned as much as you'd like it to be. But, like, Cersei is dead, probably. The, the internet is, 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 like, maybe she's not. The Night King is dead. The big baddie is Danny now, right? Yeah, and let's just, you know, let's take a moment of silence for the characters we lost this episode. Varys... Harry Strickland, I don't think anybody cares, he died. Literally nobody. You're on Greyjoy, probably. The Hound, the Mountain, Kyburn, Jamie and Cersei, probably. Right, at least definitely Jamie. A long day without you, my friend. What's the next line of that? (laughs) I thought thought you were going to do the next line. Tell me the next line so I can sing it. And I'll tell you all about it when I see you again. (laughs) (laughs) You know what? You did a great job. I'm going to let it be yours, man. 
You know, we, we should just play that song in the background while I'm listing the characters. That's, yeah. That is a fun, that's a funny song. <laughs> it, it, is a, it, it is a very funny song. Dies next episode, and if she does, who do you think does it? Oh, yeah, Danny's dead. Probably John's going to kill her, and then he's going to rule Westeros for a hundred years of peace and prosperity. Do you think that's what they're just going to, like, shoe in to the Azor Ahai prophecy for? Or, again, I think, do, or perhaps that's just all gone and nobody cares. Yeah, you know what? Danny was the great other this whole time, and the Night's King was Azor Ahai, and they fucked it all up. People were mad because they didn't think, again, they didn't think the Danny turn was earned. And, you know, and then the, the first thing people were saying was like, I mean, she did push that marine noble, and he got eaten by a dragon, and... I mean, and she she has done some messed up things in the past. I, I mean, nothing near a mass genocide, right? Like what she just did, which is kill thousands and thousands of people for just being in the wrong place at the wrong time. No, but here's I'm 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 about to go off, King, about this. All go right? off, so, baby. This is nobody who was like on Team Danny. And I'm not just talking to the Team Danny listeners out there. I'm also talking to John and Tyrion and Sir Davos. You can't complain about this because this is what Targaryen rule looks like, all right? Her her ancestor, Aegon the Conqueror, did this exact same shit to Harrenhal. And he's remembered as, you know, this great leader and this amazing general, all right? The words of House Targaryen are fire and blood, and this is how they conduct war, and this is how they deal with traitors. And on a more realistic level, if this were a medieval society, you know, they're, they're centuries off from any kind of enlightenment period, they would all be having a second feast talking about how awesome the Dragon Queen was when she burned all the traitors. None of them would have the frame of reference to say that it was wrong. They'd all be like, woo, yeah, look at all the enemies we burned to death. You think they'd be on Danny's side? Yes, I think they would be so psyched about what happened. I mean, I I don't think the world is going to be at least the this Game of Thrones world that we've been introduced to will be very psyched that Danny did this. I'm so excited to see the next thing Tyrion and John say to her. I like the next thing they say to each other. They're like, there was a great meme. It's it's a. Uh, this the taken from this British sketch show from the guys who did Peep Show, and it's a guy dressed as a Nazi saying to his other Nazi friend, "He's like, hey, d- 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 look at our look at our outfits. They have like skulls and stuff on them. Like, do you think we're the bad guys?" <laughs> like, <laughs> yeah, that's what John was realizing as he was looking around in slow motion. He was like, "Oh no, we're the villains. How did I get here?" Yeah, I mean, it just it. it the show should get back to a place of, you know, when Danny was in Marine and she's like, I'm going to break the wheel. We're going to have something new. I think that she has forgotten about that objective in the face of like, I will be queen. I will sit the Iron Throne. Do you think she can be redeemed prior to her possible death? I would like that to happen. I would like for one of the other main characters to attempt to understand her. Maybe Bran can. You know, or like, did Brand? Brand saw all of this coming and told nobody. Yeah, right. It's Brand's gonna do like the Doctor Manhattan response. He's gonna be like, "There is no molecular difference between a live body and a dead one." And everyone who hears that is like, "What? What are you talking about? You suck." Also, who would have 
thought that Davos makes it to the series finale. Right? Uh, you know what's weird, man? Like, BetDSI.com, this is not a plug for them, and other betting websites which which will bet on this shit have Bran as the odds-on favorite to win. So is that is that like in the leaks or did somebody does somebody know something we don't know? I mean, I I didn't read the leaks. Uh, what I'm I but maybe I mean uh, what I'm interested in is like do we see Sansa again? I don't think we see like Tormund or I don't even know if we see Ghost again. But do we see Sansa get back together with Arya? Do do we? I, we're definitely gonna see you know. Grey Worm and Tyrion and uh and I don't know if Grey Worm makes I think hope he makes it to that beach. I'm just not sure at this point. Honestly, man, politically what makes the most sense is if they're gonna dispatch Danny and John doesn't want to be king of the Seven Kingdoms, he should marry Sansa, probably, and they can rule the North together. And I don't know, man, maybe they will like invent democracy or something to figure out who should be a leader. Or they'll do like the ancient Roman system and have Two or three consoles run the country. As a part of team, nobody rules the throne at the end. I sort of do hope for that. That's because that's what my my fake money was on. But it, I I don't know. I the best part about this episode for me is that I have no idea what's going to happen next week. No idea, but I'm excited to see it. All right. Well, I mean, well, let's make let's make some predictions, man. Okay. Uh, Daenerys is going to die. It's probably going to be John or Arya who does it. Uh, I I don't think anyone is going to stand up for Daenerys other than maybe like uh, maybe Grey Worm. But other than that, I don't see anybody uh, sticking up for her. Right. I don't think anyone's going to be on her side. Again, other than Grey Worm, because he believes this was all justified. He was the angel of death. He misses Missandei. He was seeing red just as much as Danny was. And so he'll be like, this was fine. Do you think we'll see Sansa in the south? Or do you, like, where do you think this ends up? Do you think the last scene will be in Winterfell or King's Landing? I mean, it would make sense if it was, uh, when, it would make sense if it was Winterfell, because that's where the show started, I guess. They've been doing a lot of book endings like that in this season. A part of me wants my Tyrion theory of Tyrion becoming king to come true although i don't think he's earned it but the word earned has been said too much on this podcast already yeah we we need to earn the right to say earn so much the two phrases that have been eked out over the past like three or four episodes too much are earned and subverted expectations yeah, but I mean, my expectations were subverted in a positive way, man. Not, not oh, like, I'm not, like I'm the not last thing. I, I, I know it was, but I'm just like, all, like all expectations have been subverted. In fact, the only way you could sur- subvert my expectations would be now to just play to my expectations. I'd be like, oh man, I thought that they were going to subvert me, but, but they actually did something conventional. Oh, fuck, man. I didn't see that coming. No, that that was almost too good and too real. Yeah, uh, so, I, again, there were things that were stupid about this episode. I will pander to the people who hated it for a moment. The Euron-Jamie fight was stupid. The fact that they couldn't hit this dragon all of a sudden with more ballista bullets was kind of dumb. The, I mean, but... It was so beautifully shot. Miguel Sepchenik, the last episode that he'll be directing, next episode will be written and directed by Dan and Dave. Uh, you know, it, visually, I think it was the best thing ever put on television. 
But, you know, again, like, I just keep thinking, what would Jorah, what would Jorah die for? If, if not for, like, Danny just committed mass genocide. Jorah is now the most tragic character in TV history. Yeah. The thing is, like, I was pretty disappointed with season eight so far because I found it to be so conventional in Hollywood. And while I do agree, you know, uh, rushed, unearned expectations, I still thought this was an incredible day of TV and everyone's talking about it back like like we used to. And it feels a little bit like the Game of Thrones magic is back. Yeah, people actually care again because something so awful happened that they were like, what do we feel? Isn't it crazy how Robert Baratheon was right? Right. Yeah, maybe uh, his first instinct, which was to assassinate Daenerys, maybe that was uh, the right idea. And Ned Stark was being a big dummy by going against it. To be fair, obviously Ned Stark was being a big dummy. Big dummies end up with their heads chopped off. You know what, James? Tonight I'm going to eat some chicken for the hound. He deserves yeah, I'm it. I'm going to eat three chickens. <laughs> I'll eat every chicken in here for the hound. Rip hound, dude. Yeah. Salute to a king. There will never be another hound. I want them to be at a dinner like next episode. Have somebody ring a bell and be like, ha 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 ha, just joking. Yeah, right. Daenerys is going to be like, oh, sorry. Uh, In... in 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 Miranese culture, you ring the bells when you want to keep fighting. So I thought they were challenging me. Mix up. Oopsie. Oh, man. Game of Thrones is over next week. Nah, it's not, man. We still get, uh, we get two more shows, right? Oh, three more shows, possibly. But, I mean, they're going to be probably set in the long night. They're going to have almost nobody. They're going to have nobody probably from this cast. It's it, it might not even have anybody related to the people in this cast. Although, I'm sure they will. I mean, the fan service won't probably allow for that. Yeah, but you know what, man? I'm a, I'm a little bit excited because D&D are moving on to ruin Star Wars. And they'll sure. give somebody young and hungry a shot on these new shows. I know. I, I'm just sad. I mean, it's... It's my favorite television show. I keep saying this. It's my favorite show on TV. I know we're the Westworld podcast, but it's a Westworld podcast that talks a lot about Game of Thrones because it is my favorite show on TV. And I always said, if the Game of Thrones season eight was good, not great, good, then it would truly end as my favorite show on television. And up until this episode, I was like, well, they've messed it up. They have completely messed it up. They are killing this show slowly but surely. And then this episode happened and I was like, hmm, you have my attention. Yeah, if you want to see some great memes, <laughs> go to Reddit slash R Danny wins the throne or Daenerys wins the throne. And uh, they're, they're not taking it well. No, they're taking it very, very poorly. As they should, their queen just committed mass genocide. So... That would be like if Jon Snow all of a sudden was like, you know, kill them all. I mean, everyone would be like, you know, th- that's the thing. Like, if Jon Snow did that, the everybody on Earth would be like, that doesn't make sense. But Danny did it, and some of the Earth is like, mm, I get it. There was a great meme where uh, it's that picture of, uh, you know, a guy shooting another dude as he's sitting in a chair. And the guy shooting is labeled Daenerys, and the guy getting shot is Varys. And then he's like... Why would Sansa do this? <laughs> yeah, Sansa killed Varys <laughs> as much as that. Was when, when Danny said that, I was like, "Oh, you suck now." 
the writers made you suck, but you, I, I, to be fair, I've always kind of thought Danny was annoying. And for anyone who's on Team Danny and really has liked her, I'm sorry that that opinion is offensive to you. Well, man, well, what do you th- what do you think about the feminist critique that like a really good female character is being torn down to make the male character John into a more you know a, a more dramatic hero? I don't think it's a completely unjust opinion. I I, I mean the 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 thing I would say to that is that her last name, like what you just said, her last name is Targaryen. I don't think we should be surprised that she went nuts and burned everybody down. I think we can be disappointed, but I don't think we can be surprised. Right. Yeah, man. For people who are sad about King's Landing, it's too bad uh, Varys didn't try a little harder to poison Danny. Oh, she's not eating? She's probably drinking water. She's got to be doing that at least. (laughs) You got to stay hydrated, James. This is a sweaty, sweaty show. There's a really good meme of... uh, Daenerys in like a The Office style interview making like a kind of odd G's face and she's like occasionally I take what is mine with fire and blood so sue me (laughs) oh I mean she did I mean she's the queen she's the queen of the seven kingdoms she will sit on the iron throne that doesn't exist anymore because she burned it down with a dragon I mean I'm excited for the final episode who knows how it's gonna go I'm sure we're all gonna have some kind of complaints but I'm here for it man one way or the other. Oh, there's no way. There's nothing the final episode can do to make the majority of the Game of Thrones audience not hate it, right? Like, it yeah. feels like we're too far past it now. The thing, so like, what I'm excited about for, for myself, and this is very selfish of me, but I don't think, I mean, as I was watching this episode, all I could think was, oh boy, the internet is going to hate this. But I don't hate this, oddly enough. I And I think it's a part, because I am biased. You know, I want it to be good. I want it to be good so bad that I am able to look past all the stuff that's obviously dumb. And I acknowledge that it's dumb. But as the mass genocide was occurring, I was like, ooh, this is getting spicy. That is not how I should have felt. That's not how anyone should feel watching it. But I did. If you want to see a great video, go on YouTube and search three minutes of the Game of Thrones cast being disappointed by the ending. And there's just like, they, they ask Amelia Clark, they're like, so what do you think about the ending of Game of Thrones? And she's like, uh, and doesn't say anything and they all laugh. And she's like, best season ever. <laughs> I mean, if you were her, I would be so mad if I was her, right? Yeah, I mean, according to to news reports, she said in an interview when she found out Daenerys' ultimate fate, she wandered the streets of London in a daze. Yeah, she was just as surprised as many people were last night. And I bet she had arguments with Dan and Dave, like, this is not how it should end. This is not how I should end. This is not what Danny should be. And I bet Dan and Dave were just like, listen... We have not taken a lot of things from George recently, but he said you have to burn everybody, so we're into it. Yeah, I also wonder, I don't think this is going to happen in in the books. Really? We'll see. Yeah. Do you have a, do you have a, and I don't know if this is weird spoilery, but like, do you have a kind of summary of what you believe the end of the books is going to be? I mean, I don't, but I can tell you for one thing, I don't think Cersei is ever going to sit the Iron Throne in the books. I don't think the Lannisters are going to hold him at King's Landing for much longer. And I don't see the ultimate conflict coming down as, like, John versus Danny. Right. Well, then, you know, 
uh, I, I look forward to reading the books one day. It was also the guy who plays Barristan Selmy claimed that George has the next two books done, but he's being barred from putting them out because Dan and Dave asked him not to. I'm not sure if that's true. If it is true, that's a very re like capital R E E E thing that would occur to I think everybody just being like how Dan and Dave if you tr- if you think as many do that they have ruined this show then you're like not only have they ruined the show but they have kept the books from me they've kept the books hostages so is do we have an explanation for what happened is it like okay so she always had the potential for madness but then the war going so badly for her and her her trusted friends like broke her i guess and and that's when the madness really set in yeah i mean it seems as though she was it was not predetermined before she got there in her head that she was going to lay waste i think it was that the bells were ringing it all felt way too easy what has been you know she's been it's been building up in her head forever that that she was going to possibly burn some things down and that's how she was going to take the throne and she felt like she hadn't burned enough. Perhaps she didn't feel like she earned it. And, you know, she said in an earlier scene, like, the mercy that she will show is to future generations who will not have to live under tyranny. But this generation, I guess, you know, didn't really matter all that much to her. Yeah, and uh, respect to all the people who named their daughters Daenerys these past uh, nine years. That, uh... Now does not seem like such a great call. No, but I mean, I don't think they saw. I don't think Danny saw. I think the only person who saw was Robert Baratheon, who was, you know, not really seeing. He was kind of operating under selfish uh, circumstances. And Varys, who was like, uh, the gods flipped the coin, and I am predicting what it's going to be. And I, he, he said, I hope I'm wrong. See, I mean... I- a lot of people don't have a right to complain. Tyrion has no right to complain, neither does John. Varys has the least right to complain. Because this is all his fault. I mean, ha- explain how it's all his fault. He was the one who has been supporting her Targaryen restoration the whole time. He introduced Viserys to Khal Drogo, and, and he was the one who, like, botched the assassination attempt on purpose... He was the one who sent Jorah to them to inform for him. Yeah, but to be fair, this all sounded like a really good plan up until very mass genocide recently. Right, and just let that, you know, be a lesson to you guys. Next time you're at a Thanksgiving or maybe a 4th of July party, look around. See who's not actively enjoying themselves. Uh, they are a psychopathic killer, and that's your first heads up. Right. If you go to a party and you're having a bad time, you're most likely going to want to at least try to kill an entire city of people. Yeah, that's uh, that's that's what we know. That's a measured feeling I'm having right now. It's this is we're we're a measured podcast. All right, guys, so if you're just listening, that means a lot to us. If you want to go the extra mile, you can follow us on Twitter at WestworldRyan. You can follow us on SoundCloud. You can send us an email at thewestworldpodcast at gmail.com. If you really want to support the show, you can kick us a few dollars on Patreon if you've got the funds. We will be back here recapping the final episode of Game of Thrones. Does it have a name? No, none of these have a name until like 8 million hours after the show airs. Okay, so we'll be back here for Season 8, Episode 6. No name. I'm James. 
And I'm Ryan. And this is the Westworld Podcast. Whew. This Westworld sad cast. This was a sweaty one, man. Sweaty for me. I think sweaty for everybody. Westworld Podcast. <laughs>